here at Gospel Community Church. I'm going to set this remote down here because the last time that I tried to use that, I was totally incompetent. Anybody have problems with remotes? There you go. That was me. Um, it's an exciting day when we think about Easter and what that means for us. I encourage you to do exactly what was just said. Inviting people, there are oftentimes many people that the only time they'll ever go to church is Easter. Is that right? They think that lilies are always in an auditorium of every church year-round. Year it's not true. Um, you know what? Invite someone, a neighbor, someone that's hurting, someone maybe that hasn't been to church for a while, maybe because of COVID or because of whatever. Invite people to hear the message of Jesus Christ. It's the only thing that's going to change them. So think about, pray about who that person may be. I invite you right now, if you would, to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 16. The book of Acts, chapter 16. One of the neat things that I get the opportunity to do, I'm the church planning catalyst for the SEND network of the North American Mission Board, which is a part of the Southern Baptist Convention. Long title, right? I'm just a dude that's helping church plants. And so I'm excited about that. We're, we were part of helping Ben here and, and Nikki plant this church with you wonderful people, part of Stephen Love and Mandy Love planting in South Bend. Right now we have a Hispanic planter that we're working with that hopefully in the next few weeks will be assessed, passed, and then be able to reach right here in the Goshen, Elkhart area, a man from Venezuela. And he's uh, about 68 years old and still working in a factory. Came from Venezuela where he was pastoring a church of almost 1,500 people. God moved him up here to reach into our Hispanic community. So there's just so many opportunities that are happening. I work with churches from everything north of Indianapolis. So I'm traveling in a lot of different directions to help guys plant churches. For me, the journey, we're thinking Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 15. We're only going to look at nine verses. Have you ever just kind of read through some passages of Scripture, and you think that some of these Scriptures are um, kind of insignificant? These passages, or this Scripture that we're going to be looking at, may be deemed as, okay, that's nice. It's a part of the second journey of the Apostle Paul. Paul is now with Silas. What we've already heard, if you go back to Pastor Ben's messages, there's been some significant things that have happened in Acts chapter 15 going into chapter 16. In chapter 15 was the Jerusalem Council. And this was significant because you had Jews that often were saying that Gentiles were never going to be able to believe. They were not going to have the Holy Spirit because they were not following the law. And Paul saw many people come to know Christ as Gentiles, and the Spirit came to them. Peter had his vision. And so the Jerusalem Council was saying to those that wanted to say that Gentiles could not believe that this isn't right. And James, the half-brother of Jesus, stood up and said... No, this is what we're going to do. Gentiles and Jews can believe, can get the Spirit, and they don't have to follow the law. That was significant, listen, for us. 
because it's pretty much just for Jews. And then we follow a little bit farther in chapter 16. When you all of a sudden, they're getting ready for the second journey. Paul and Barnabas were. And Barnabas wanted to take John Mark. Remember? Wanted to take John Mark. John Mark had already bailed on them in the first journey. And Paul said no. He got upset. He got emotional. Barnabas, who is a mentor type of personality and an encourager, was very frustrated and said, okay, I'm going to take him. We're going to go a different direction. Paul took Silas, and off they went. Then the next person that came into this journey was Timothy. If you see in chapter 16, Timothy comes in at the very beginning. Here is a young man had a great-grandmother and mother, Eunice and Lois. He was a person that loved God, young man who needed a mentor, and Paul said, I'll be that person. So Paul took him. Yet, what was interesting about Timothy was his father, does anybody remember what that was? His father was a Greek, so he was a Gentile. This was unique Why was that unique? We're going to see in this passage of Scripture. Got a question. Has anybody ever wondered what God's will was? You ever just think, how do I know what God wants me to do? Would you raise your hand if you thought, man, I just wish I knew how, you know, when God speaks, what am I supposed to do? Man, I grew up, in Mansfield, Ohio, my mom and dad got saved in 1955, and um, I was born in 1960, went to church at two weeks old. Man, I was the kid that went through the nursery, kind of being that little terror, blonde-haired terror, you know, and I did the nursery and the preschool, and I remember all the teachers and all of those ladies that just loved me in their class. And somebody laughed, so that was really true. That was really true. Uh, I've been taken out of that class to my parents in church. But I remember many times thinking, wow, I, I really want to know what God is saying. I, I grew up as an independent Baptist. And one of the things that in, 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 you, in the 60s and into the 70s, I always loved it when we would come to church and I was so excited getting ready to go to my class and I would look up and go up the steps and there would be a table. A table with artifacts. A table that had uh, three pieces of wood and some hinges and on that would be pictures and things of places around the world. And missionaries. Anybody remember anything like that? You had all of those things on the table, and you would walk over there, and I wanted to touch every one of them. And they all had little signs, do not touch. That is the worst thing for a kid. I wanted to just touch it and rattle it. And, and they were all standing there nice. And I knew that we had a missionary that day. And what we were going to do was we were going to sit and there was a table with, for some of you may not even know what this is, a slide projector. 
and later on, they made them with a round slide carousel. I was amazed at that. But before, it was one drop. One, I mean, it was not very fast. But we would sit and we would watch these slides of faraway places that we had never, ever thought about going or being around. One time, mom and dad said, hey, why don't we have one of the missionaries stay with us? And so that missionary, he was going to Mexico. He stayed with us, and I couldn't believe that all night we just could ask him all the questions that we wanted. And he kept on answering. But I was searching. How do you know that God wanted you to go to Mexico? How, how did you know that God wanted you to be a missionary? What happens if all of a sudden you want to go to another country? How do you, how do you know all of those things? I mean, did, where do you hear that? Later on, God moved in my heart to say yes to get into the ministry as a youth pastor and eventually lead pastor and planter of churches. But God spoke even to a child. I didn't really understand it. I didn't really catch the fact that God speaks. Matter of fact, it didn't really hit me until a study that I did many years later called Experiencing God, which was written by a guy by the name of Henry Blackaby and Claude King. And it helped me to understand that God always speaks to us. It's not that we're not hearing God. It's that we're not listening for what he's saying on a consistent basis. Things that we're going... Ain't that a coincidence? Sorry, that was kind of loud, wasn't it? Isn't a coincidence? It's not a coincidence to God. Why is this important? Let's look at our passage of Scripture. So go to Acts chapter 16. If you've got your Bibles, let's turn to that spot and let's read. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mycenae, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mycenae, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. This is the Macedonian call. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia, and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the woman who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia, from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. 
the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. This message entitled, When God Speaks, has a big idea that I want us to get for today. This big idea is this. God's plans are broad enough to reach the world and specific enough to touch one heart drawn to him. Here is a passage of scripture that is really helping us see this massive, big picture How do we reach the world? Is that what it said? Yes, it did. But also, how do we reach one? The first point I want you to catch is this. When God is speaking, God's direction is clear. God's direction is clear. Again, I want you to notice in verse 6. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mycenae, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mycenae, they went down to Troas. What I find here that's amazing to me is God gave a no question. Does anybody struggle with the idea of using the word no? Do you struggle saying no when people ask you to do things? Now, I don't know about you, but I do that. There are times that in my mind, I am hearing, don't do this. And all of a sudden, you just step into a real quick yes. And then you walk away going, man, I really don't want to do that. But I said, yes. Now, here's what's intriguing. Jerusalem Council, the fallout with Barnabas, new guy, Silas. What we're going to see is that later on, we hear the word we. We'll talk about that in a minute because this brings in Paul, Silas, Timothy and Luke is now going to be traveling with them. And his desire is to go to the people groups of Asia Minor. Why would he do that? Well, he's had a lot of emotions. Have you ever had a lot of things happen in your life and you go, man, I just want a week of going to some place that I'm comfortable with. I don't want any high pressure. I don't want a lot going on. I just want to kind of go back home and relax. I, 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 can, I can help Timothy. This is Paul. I've had a big day with the Jerusalem Council. Barnabas and I are split. We're going to go somewhere else. How about if we just go back home? Why? Because Paul wanted to reach his own people. Paul was one who said, I wish that I could lose my salvation if my people could be saved. So let's just go back to Asia Minor. That's where he wanted to go. And what did the Holy Spirit say? No. God says no. Don't do that. 
but don't you understand? I, I want to reach my Jewish friends. I, I want to reach the people. I, I, I mean, it, it's really easy to do. I, I can do this. No. What we catch, how in the world then did Paul recognize that no? I wish that I would have recognized the times that God spoke to me to say no, but I overrode that and did yes anyway. You ever been there? In your heart, you knew you shouldn't have done something, but you did it? You see... The first sub-point that I want you to catch is this. One person needs to know who God is if they're going to hear God speak. It's not a question if the Apostle Paul knew God. He shared his first vision. His first vision was when he got saved. He was blinded. He got saved. He's about to have his second vision, but there's not a question, does he know God? God. Listen, if you want to hear from God, you have to have a relationship with God. Does that make sense? If, if you want to hear from God, it begins by letting him come in and change your life and transform your life like what we just sang about. Let God transform us. And when he transforms us, guess what happens? We begin to hear on a consistent basis that God is speaking every day. The question isn't, does God speak? The question is, am I listening to what he said, as we said before? And that begins with this relationship that we must have. What's amazing to me is that he tells us all about this. John 10, 3 and 4 says this. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hears his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Do you catch the fact? When we ask Jesus in our heart, and for me, it was 1967 when I asked Jesus into my life. That's when I became a sheep. I remember my son, five years old, we were traveling back. I was working in a church in Naples, Florida. And we were traveling back to Bonita Springs. And right next to this big dog track, he said, Dad, I want to be saved, and I want to be saved now. Like, now? Yeah. Can you stop the car? Okay. And that's the day he asked Jesus into his heart. That's when he became a sheep. You see, when you're a sheep, the sheep know who the shepherd is because he hears their voice. Not only do we see then that we need to be in a relationship with the shepherd, but secondly, I want you to catch that one needs to be close enough to hear the heartbeat of God. Not only do I need to know him, Okay, so my question for you is this, today, do you know Jesus? Because if you're searching, he wants that relationship, and then he begins to speak on a consistent basis. The second thing is, you've got to be close enough to hear his voice. You know what? 
this year for, for my wife, Linda and I, we're celebrating our 40th anniversary. Now, here's the thing. How would this work? How do you get the 40 years if I said, now, Linda, I'm going to say I do. I'll talk to you next year. You know what I mean? But that's not the case. Something that's important in a relationship is you need to be talking every day. Would you agree? And, and when relationship is breaking down, communication more than likely is breaking down as well. So here's, here's the question that we need to ask. What do we do on a daily basis to stay close enough to God to hear the words yes or no on when he wants to move in our life? What are we doing? Is it something that I may get up in the morning to, to spend some time just praying about my day and praying about my family and the, those that I need to touch through the Spirit of God? Am, am I willing to open up my Bible and, and read something? You see, God speaks to reveal himself, his purposes of why he does what he does, and the ways in which he's going to accomplish that. God speaks to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. That, that's powerful, but how does he do it? He does it through prayer. He does it through circumstances, situations, the church, and his word. Now, what I find intriguing is this. Have you ever been in a service and something's been on your heart, on your mind, and then all of a sudden Pastor Ben preaches a message and is like, why are you talking about me? You ever been there? You're just, a message is kind of hitting you right between the eyes and you're going, did did, did you tell him about this? And he's preaching right to me. Oh, that's happened so many times. Or you read a passage of Scripture and it hits you because that's where you are. Or as you're praying, all of a sudden a thought comes to you of what the next step should be. Guess what? God is speaking and so when we stop and think about this, God is speaking to them and saying, no, I don't want you to go to Asia Minor. You go this direction. And he went towards Troas. Troas is a small fishing village. It's right on the, the coast. And it's right on the edge of the Aegean Sea. And he's about to then think, what do I do next that's the Macedonian call. But I want you to catch the third point. You see, God's path is God's path. It's not our path. There are times that God speaks and you're not going to like it. Oh, question. Do you think that God really is in, has a desire that you like him more than doing right or wrong? Is it more about how we're feeling? Or what's the next right thing? Now, to Paul, he's like, I just want to minister to my friends. But Paul, don't you understand that I now have Timothy with you, who his father is Grecian, and so this is a man who can reach out 
to those that are Gentiles. And oh, by the way, Luke is here who's a physician who's well-respected. And oh, by the way, we have Silas with you, and you are the one that has been speaking to Gentiles more than any other person. I want you to get on a boat, and I want you to go that direction. He went south. Why? Because he's going to go over to eventually the Macedonian area. He catches a vision, and we're going to talk about that in a second. The second thing I want you to catch is this, is that God's direction is unique. When God speaks, God's direction is unique for the individual. Look with me again at verse 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately, notice the word we, circle that. We sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. This is the first time that we see Luke put in the scriptures, he's the author of Acts, the word we, so now he has joined the trip. Now it's first person when he's giving this plan. Paul had now decided to say yes to a vision. The Macedonian man. In 1992, we were putting together a mission project for our teens. Our church had grown in First Baptist in Naples from a smaller church to a really pretty large church. And we had a pretty large youth group, and so we were taking about 35 to 40 high schoolers we had taken them to different places, different countries and things in doing mission projects. And many of those kids now are leaders in their churches and pastors and so forth. It's pretty cool. But we had planned to go minister to Native Americans in New Mexico. We had spent a lot of money, got all the flights. We had everything. There was no place to stay, so we were going to stay in tents. We were going to do kind of a camping thing and working with the reservation there. Two weeks before, a teenager on a Sunday comes up to me and says, have you seen the news clip on CNN? What are you talking about? Well, there's people that are dying, teenagers that are dying in New Mexico. They don't know why. And they're talking about quarantining a segment of New Mexico because of these deaths. And I'm thinking, it's New Mexico. That's just a part of New Mexico. It's surely not going to be where we, we're going. We're going to a place called Shiprock, New Mexico. And so I got home after the service, and I remember turning on TV, and there I heard this reporter talking about these teenagers that have died, and they don't know what it is, and it's spreading in this small place called what? Shiprock, New Mexico. Now, I don't know what you think a no is, but that is a no to go there. Parents started calling and saying, I'm not sending my kid, and what are we going to do? And 
And it was like, well, maybe we go to another place in New Mexico. We, we just trying to figure out what do we do. And it was a no, a no, a no. And finally, I went to our staff and said, guys, I d- God is closing this down. What do we do? We have a lot of money into this. Kids are ready to go. Is there any other options? Native American work. We just added a man on our staff as a minister of education. And he said, I've got a friend. His name is Mark Custolo. And he pastors a Native American church in Crow Agency, Montana. And at that point, God was saying, you need to be listening to this. Okay, what do I do? He gave me his phone number. I called him. And he said, hey, we'd love to have you. We have a Christian college. They're out for the summer. You can use the dorm. We can go there, minister in my church. It's all good. We still have, at that time, ten dollars or $12,000 of airline tickets. What are we going to do? You can't change cheap seats. And the airline said, we'll fly you anywhere you want to go. Thank you, Jesus. Door open, door open, door open. We get on the plane. We fly there. We drive to the school, as we drive by, there is this one church building in a cornfield on the edge of Billings, Montana. And it had a Southern Baptist insignia on the sign. Dropped the kids off, and I said, you know, God, I just feel like you're trying to tell me something. What are you telling me? Linda and I have been praying, God, you want us to stay here. There's something more in ministry. We never told anybody that. We got, I got in the van, and I drove to that church, hoping maybe somebody would be there. Knocked on the door of the office. Secretary opened the door. She says, oh, uh, I'll introduce you to our pastor. Opened the door. The pastor opened the door, came out. And it was a guy that I had gone to school with by the name of Paul Jones. And he looked at me and he says, what are you doing here? Last time I heard you were in Florida. We're on a mission project here, and this is your church? Yeah, my dad planted this church, and I'm, I'm pastoring it. But Paul said, Doug, I've been praying that somebody would come and help us. Will you come? Oh, man, God, you just said, will you help us? Now I got to go back and tell Linda that. The kids were having a great time, and they were, uh, we had a great time talking, and then I went back, and the kids were eating and just kind of messing around, getting ready for the stuff that we we're going to do, vac- vacation Bible school, all that kind of thing. Linda and I were off in the corner, and we're crying because both of us know that God had said, you need to come back here, and you need to serve. I'm not asking for you to do a mission project. I want you to change your life. And that was so scary because we didn't have a job. We were just coming to a state where I don't even understand it. I'm from Ohio. We went to South Florida, and I love the beaches. So I remember when Linda prayed, God, we'll go anywhere except anything north of Tampa. 
three months later, we were in U-Hauls after we sold our house, and we drove to Montana to start whatever that was going to be. And we planted a church out there in South Florida and helped a church start here in Plymouth. And now we're in ministry to help others do the same. You see, God's call was unique to us. Paul had a vision. It was unique for him. That's something that we need to understand. God spoke uniquely to Paul and uniquely to us as well. Paul had six total visions. This vision was number two. But this vision was so significant, it caused him to get in his boat and to go over to Greece simply because of this. If he didn't go over to Greece and begin that ministry, which then touched Philippi and then touched Thyatira and some of these others because of Lydia, the message would not necessarily have gotten into Europe. And the reason why it went to Europe is we're sitting here in Goshen, Indiana, talking about Jesus because the message went through Europe and through Europe came to our country and from there it is spread around this world. Do you catch the big picture? How significant this moment was. A no could have circumvented whatever that was, but God said, hey, I want you to go to the yes of the Macedonian call. You see, when God speaks, it is our invitation to join him immediately. Let's go back to that passage of Scripture. Look with me at verse 10. And when Paul had seen the vision, what's the next word? Immediately. The word immediately means, what do you think? Immediately. Instantly. At once. Again, I, I've, told, I've been in church for a long time. Do you know how many people I've asked, hey, could you help us do this? And I've heard the Christian know. Does anybody know what the Christian know is? Well, I'll pray about it. Now, you know, if you don't want to do it, it's okay to say no. Matter of fact, saying yes to everything isn't God. Jesus only did that which the Father told him. There were things that Jesus didn't do. But he said yes to the Father. And then he went immediately. But Doug, now wait a minute. You just said that that Christian note is, I'll pray about it. Listen, what does God ask us to do in prayer? He says, pray without ceasing. When you're in a relationship with Jesus, what he is desiring for you to do is to be in prayer on a consistent basis. When you're driving, you're praying. When you're speaking to others in that crowd, you're praying for an opportunity. You're in a constant mode of communication with God that he is connecting with you all the time so that when something like this comes along, it may be a yes. You are already praying. I don't have to pray a special prayer as much as I am seeking him. Now, if I'm not sure, I'm going to pray more. I'm going to be patient 
But understand, when God speaks and you know it, it's your time to what? Act. And that's what God invited us to do. When God speaks, it is our invitation to join him immediately. The third point that I want you to catch is this. God's direction then is personal. When I think about Paul, the big picture was Paul is thinking, where do I go? And God says, no, don't go to Asia Minor. I want you to go to Greece. I want you to go to the Macedonian region. I want you to go to Philippi. And then out of that will begin new churches in Europe. That's the big picture. And there are times that we feel like God is so massive Does he even know who I am? Three months after we left Naples, I'm working in an oil refinery, putting a preacher in an oil refinery is dangerous. Um, I was given a hard hat, and I'm so glad they call it a hard hat because I hit every pipe in that facility with my head. Um, They really laughed at it when I was working with the pipe fitters. Uh, But what I do recognize is that God was working in my life, but we planted in a little town. You can't even call it a town. There there was two houses and a barn um, called Luther, Montana. There was only 236 residents in the largest mailing area or mailing district in the United States was this area, and only 236 homes. But why God put me there was just simply because a friend said, let's plant a church together. Come and let's do this here. And God saw a church blossom. But what I find intriguing was There were times that I was going to do a small group or going to do a sermon, and I'm thinking, does anybody know we're here? You ever felt insignificant? You ever felt like no one even knows that I'm existing? I've had those prayers where I've said, God, we followed you. We, we were in a wonderful ministry in South Florida, and now I don't even know if anybody is going to know that we're here. But God knows who you are. Let's go to this next passage, starting in verse 11. It says, So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis. And from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named 
Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. Now, I want you to catch this. When the Apostle Paul normally goes into a town, what is the first thing that he does on the Sabbath? Almost invariably, he goes to a synagogue and he begins to preach. And he's preaching about Old Testament prophecy. And then through the prophecy, he says, let me tell you that the prophecy is now fulfilled in the name of Jesus Christ who died for us. But here's a question. It was the Sabbath, and he didn't go to the synagogue. He went by the river outside of town. Why is that? Because at that time in Philippi, they were so lost. They didn't even have enough men to constitute a synagogue. It takes ten men who are heads of households to establish a synagogue. They didn't even have ten. And so those that believed, mostly women, and here it is women, are gathered together. Lydia is from Thyatira. If you go to Revelation chapter 2, you're going to see the name of the church of Thyatira as one of the seven churches. So out of what happened here, a church was established in Thyatira probably through this woman. But here's a woman who is a seller of purple goods. Thyatira was unique. Matter of fact, again, if you go to Revelation, you're going to see that this was the church that got caught up in a Jezebel that was in her church. And they believed a Jezebel and how that they needed to walk away from that and come back to Christ. But this town was a pagan worshiping city. And in that town, they were known for fine linens and cloth and clothes. And they were also known for purple dyes. Now, what was intriguing about that was that she sold purple cloth. So that tells us that she probably owned a business making purple cloth that was for royalty. She was a significant woman. And yet we find that here is a message that is for her. I want you to catch the subpoint under this is God's message will come directly to you. Why is this important? Lydia heard from God. Lydia didn't need the Apostle Paul or a priest or something to tell her what God was saying when the words were spoken about Jesus Christ and how he had died on the cross, he was buried, he rose again the third day, and now you can have a relationship with him. Her heart was pierced by the gospel because now the one that she understood was God, now she understood that Jesus was God. She was worshiping God for what she knew. But now she got the truth. And what happened was her heart was broken because God spoke to her. 
I've been in church long enough to know that there's a lot of people that think, well, God would never speak to me. I'm insignificant. I feel all alone. I don't know if anybody's going to show up if I do anything. I remember having this conversation with my wife. When we went through that particular study, Linda said, I think for the first time I've realized that God is uniquely speaking to me individually and not just to the pastor, not just to the elders, not just to deacons, not just to people that are in ministry. It's a voice that is unique for you. That even a child watching a missionary show his slides could understand. It was unique to her. And when God speaks, it is our time to respond personally. Do you remember the day that God grabbed a hold of your heart and you realized that you, you were lost, that, that you were a sinner? If you haven't had that moment, I pray that it's today that we come to a point of asking God to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and to come into our life, to change our life, to transform us, to be in a relationship with Him and He begins to speak and to guide you and to help you to take the next right step. What did she do? First thing she did, oh, I'm sure that when she then accepted Jesus, she just kind of was so soft and meek and mild. And I got a feeling, I don't want to be too loud in this room. But I mean, I meant she went ecstatic, do you think? So much so, what did she do? First thing she wanted to do was tell her kids, tell her family. She wanted to tell somebody. You mean Jesus is in my life. I am saved. I understand what we've been worshiping for a long time is now what I have. He is speaking to me every day. Oh, I want you to have it. I want Ethan to have it. I, want, I mean, I want them all to have it. And then what happened? They got dunked or they got baptized. You see, often... We think, well, I don't know about that. Baptism is that demonstration of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection coming out of that water. And now we have a new life. It's what we do to say, yes, God, I want the world to know that I am saved. That's why we give our testimony when we are baptized. They didn't pray about it. They just did it. Why? Because it's the first thing you do immediately when you have the opportunity. Question. Have you been baptized? If you've accepted Jesus Christ? Are you a part of this body? 
when you're around others that are hearing from God, then it's so unique because what Zach is hearing, I am hearing. I mean, we, we all of a sudden start to sense what's going on. And out of that, a core group of people start to come together. And you get excited and you go, man, do you think we could have a church? Oh, my goodness, we could have a church. So let's go meet in a school in Elkhart. Oh, no, it's Bristol. Oh, wherever it is. And then we meet in a school. And it's great. And we have services. And it's awesome. But all of a sudden, I hear that, oh, goodness, we can't have services here because they're telling us we can't stay. What are we going to do? we got to find a building. Well, there's a building right here. And God opened a door for that group of people to migrate right into this building. And now God has you here today. How cool is that? Is that awesome? Do you think God is working in your life right now? Do you think God is speaking in your life right now? I believe this. He's also saying things to you that maybe right now you're going, I'll pray about it. And God is saying, hey, this is what I want you to do. There's a no over here, and there's a yes over here. What is that? What is that? Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, in just a moment, our praise team is going to be singing a powerful song. Everybody in this room is going to walk out of this room making a decision of some sort. I ask each of us, what is your action step for what you've heard today? What is that action step? When are you going to do that? Is there someone that's going to hold you accountable to it? These are things that every two weeks I talk with Pastor Ben about, walking through what are the steps to do in the journey here. It's the same question that we ask today for us. What's your next God step? Father, Thank you. Thank you for speaking to us. Times you give us no's. Many times you give us a yes. But then you desire for us to be then to take the action to accomplish the yes. We have fears. We have uh, questions upon questions and you keep on saying to us trust me I'm your father I already know where this is going just ta take the next right step father may that be so in Jesus name I pray
stand and sing this chorus one last time. be magnified let his praise arise Christ be magnified in me oh Christ be magnified from the altar of my life Christ be magnified in me just take a moment Commit to him. And we're going to take action. We're going to respond, however that may be. Let's just take a moment in prayer, silently together. And we're going to magnify him in our life as we walk out of this place this morning. again and surrender to him and be magnified in our life. Oh, Christ be magnified. Let his praise arise. Christ be magnified in me. Oh, Christ be magnified from the altar of my life. Christ be magnified in me, oh, Christ be magnified, let his praise arise, Christ be magnified in me, oh, Christ be magnified from the altar of my life, Christ be magnified in me. I think Mark and other leaders will be up front here. If somebody wants to talk, come up. Come and talk. Don't walk away thinking, I don't know what to do. There's an answer. Just remember, you are loved. Have a great day, everybody.